I'll be back. And I'm back. This is Restless Valentine's Day. Pastor Michael, we have no sound effects, but we are back. We are so back. Pastor Michael, we, we have never been more back than we are right now with zero live stream watchers. <laughs> I, I, I think we're really back because this podcast is going to go out to everyone. The way I know we're back is I'm here, you're here, and most of all, here today with us, the drink I will be reviewing, the White Claw non-alcoholic premium peach blossom seltzer to celebrate Valentine's Day. I'm feeling romantic, Pastor Michael, are you? <laughs> um, while I was off, it was announced that White Claw, our favorite non-sponsor of the show not associated with them at all um we'd love for them to sponsor us decided <laughs> they would release non-alcoholic white claw just to be clear to anyone who doesn't know this white claw is an alcoholic version of flavored carbonated water which meant they were releasing flavored carbonated water <laughs> as a new thing now shockingly there were two things shocking about this this drink cost me as much as an alcoholic White Claw. And number two, unlike all other carbonated waters, this has calories in it. This has calories. But Pastor Michael, we have come full circle here as the YRR. We remember in our young days in the YRR when we realized how cool it was that it was not sinful to drink in every circumstance. And so we all coolly bought beer for the first time. And we started drinking alcohol. We started thinking it was cool to dunk on our faithful grandma's church for using grape juice in communion because we were super cool reform guys, which it wasn't cool. But we've come all the way where all the craft breweries now make non-alcoholic versions of everything. And now we get non-alcoholic with sweetener, calorie flavored water. It. It was pop the whole time. It was like, we, we're just back. We're just right back full circle. We started with pop. We went to alcohol. We went to the healthier flavored water. And we're back to pop, everybody. <laughs> it's a fragrant natural flavors. <laughs> you know, it could probably use a little vodka or something. <laughs> It is. It's not that good. It really. Uh, no, I didn't. I will try lime on our the episode we will record when we celebrate how many downloads we've been getting. We'll be doing a reaction feedback episode and I will try the lime non-alcoholic White Claw. But if you are the person wanting to drink White Claw in the middle of the day, like I am today on Valentine's Day, but know you have other things you have to do today. And so it would not be responsible to start the hard seltzers at 2 p.m. <laughs> Maybe this is the drink for you, but it probably is not. It You should probably just go buy Kirkland brand carbonated water with no calories, no cane <laughs> sugar and sweeteners. Um, but Pastor Michael, that is not our Valentine's Day tradition. Our Valentine's Day tradition is reacting to things about complementarianism. Why? Oh. How many years are we at? I don't know. Because we did, obviously, this all started when we watched D.A. Carson and Tim <laughs> Keller 
have a very painful interview where they announced that the verses in first Timothy that said, I will not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man meant something. <laughs> and that that was the essence of what it meant to be a complimentarian. Now the, 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 we laughed a lot in that episode back in the day. Uh, I'm hope. Well, I'm, we might laugh today is all I'm saying. <laughs> what we're reacting to. Um, I'm already live. We're coming straight off of a Patreon exclusive oh, conspiracy corner. Yes. And so we're just in a good mood. We're having fun. And I think we're going to laugh. If, if you know what, if leave the world behind means anything to you, subscribe to the Patreon and enjoy, uh, enjoy some content there. We are going to, I don't know when we're going to do a reaction and catch up. Cause we have, Everyone asking us about Alistair Begg. He gets us uh, back for revenge. And we have, I mean, we're probably nearing in on 400,000 downloads now. Because we skipped uh, we skipped 300. And Pastor Michael has been continuing the shows while I was away. But Pastor Michael, today is complimentarianism because we're romantic. We are, we are the true the romantic. most romantic thing that we could talk about. Um, so... Pastor Michael, do you have any other Valentine's Day plans? Me, I'll be drinking non-alcoholic White Claw. You know, I could drive with this, which is <laughs> no. I, you know, I tweeted this morning uh, because this actually happened to me that my wife has to put up with me texting her the Bitcoin price before I text her anything about Valentine's Day. <laughs> so, so that's that's kind of we don't really celebrate Valentine's Day. Um, no. We, but he celebrates 50k everybody but, uh, <laughs> he celebrates um so pastor michael um every year we try and cover things about these verses now this year we are covering um someone changing their mind away from a solid strong complementarian stance um to a view of women elders in fact so controversially these women, this position on women elders had his former church removed from the SBC, which means if you know who we're talking about, uh, it's in the title. You should. We are discussing <laughs> the one, the only, the Reverend Rick Warren. Of, okay, right. The, 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 the Rick Warren the, who trained Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Gave him his first degree. Who gave him his first degree? Has trained more pastors than the Southern Baptists combined for <laughs> all all time. Uh, and um is famous for his book, The Purpose Driven Life, of course. And and don't forget the Daniel Diet. The Daniel <laughs> Diet. Man, can should I it's it's Valentine's Day and I'm drinking a non-alcoholic white claw. It's time to be honest with everyone. I did the Daniel Diet back in the day, ladies and gentlemen. Did you really do it? Oh, I did. When it came out from Rick Warren, like for that reason or before? For that reason. I was like, because Dr actually Driscoll interviewed yes. about the diet. Yes. So I don't know if you're, do you remember how when Rick Warren came out with this, he was like, you know, he came out with all of this like pre-work. He didn't say what the book was going to be. He just said, I'm working on a new project. Yes. Everybody's in a slump. The whole world feels so dark. It was stuff like this where yes. he was just like, there's so much darkness, but I have something that's really going to like, you know, shed light on everybody. Yep. And then he comes out with the Daniel diet. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, it was the first time I tried to not drink pop, which obviously I've gone completely the other way. <laughs> Full circle. Drink, you know. We're right back, everybody. Um, yeah, dude, that was the like, don't eat processed food and sugars, which Actually, man, now that I think about it, like <laughs> that took no creativity. I didn't create a restless diet plan to sell. <laughs> I'm going to sell diet coaching just so you know. We are going to this week launch a restless Patreon level where I will give you diet coaching <laughs> a la the Daniel diet. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's real. Just so you know, $19.99 a month. If you would like diet coaching from me. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love that. When we started, we would always do these giveaways. We did a giveaway for everything. It just like would randomly, you know, we're doing a giveaway. Yep. And now everything that we do, we're like, we're starting a new Patreon level. <laughs> Uh, nobody signs up for it because of course a butt we're gonna do a new level i'm not a dietitian neither is rick warren (laughs) um but uh if you like our vibes maybe you'll like it all right but pastor michael he we'd like to once again thank woke preacher clips um for um cutting these clips for us these it's so helpful that you do this sir because I don't want to have to go through an entire Russell Moore podcast interview with Rick Warren to find the complimentarian kernel. So, Pastor Michael, I did listen to part of this. Rick Warren says, these are the verses that changed my mind. And obviously, it's not going to be our favorite verse. That means something. And that's something being that women should not teach or exercise authority over a man in the gathered assembly. Um, But these verses were enough to make it clear that that ex- could not be what that verse meant. Right. The, and so I'm just, you know, it must be pretty incredible because it's going to overthrow a sentence that it seems it couldn't be more clear in the new Testament. Yeah. Can we just try to guess what they're going to oh, be? Ooh, so does he, it's multiple verses. I, I know one, so I can't guess. Yeah. Okay. You can't He's guess. Not, I, I think it's about, I will hear very early on. Um, but I think it's three or four. Do you do you want to okay. give a few guesses? I'm just gonna give a few guesses. Deborah is definitely that's that's my guess. Deborah is gonna be mentioned at least, maybe not one of the main verses, definitely gonna be okay. mentioned. Um, definitely gonna get uh Mary showing up to the tomb first and going and telling the disciples. Um, we're definitely I'm trying to think of others. Those are the main ones that I have right now. Um especially I guess I was gonna say uh Ephesians five verse 21 but i think that 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 probably is a little far beyond because he's talking about uh, women teachers in the church all right so pastor michael are you uh ready if if you think of another one i don't i wish i knew something i could give away to you by the way if you ordered if you won uh reformed worship it's coming to you right now and the 50 dollars gift card went to the only person who followed our instructions which is andrew from uh once for all delivered so congratulations to those folks but here we go pastor michael is going to perhaps win half a case of non-alcoholic white cloth (laughs) i have some i might have some so here we go i understand why people get upset about this because i believed the way they did until three years ago Mm. and i actually had to change because of scripture (laughs) culture could not change me on this issue so, I, just, I just love lie, lie, <laughs> lie. <laughs> just like oh, pass, every word. A, 
Every word is sophistry, right? Like every word of it. That's <laughs> so let's go ahead and say, Rick Warren, I'm not mad. By the way, man, I, I tried the diet. I'm I'm mad that <laughs> I'm not mad about this. Now I'm not so I'm not mad about this. One. Two, I know that this is probably in light of all the SBC stuff, right? So way to high road the entire Southern Baptist Convention. Um, I'll just say, I'll can I make one just like maybe this is fair, even if it's a little bit rough comment, Pastor Michael. The guy who says it's impossible for culture to change my mind on an issue is the same guy who decided the format and church planting method he would use based on a thousand interviews he did with people asking them, what do you want a church to be like? <laughs> he asked people that question and made the decisions about Saddleback based on that information. They quite literally at his church that he started have different services depending on the cultural trend that you like best. <laughs> but he, on this issue... Would never change. Never. His no, 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 never. And also, Matt, he believed just like us. I know. He I... he believed just like us the whole time. No. And that's not true. <laughs> just, <laughs> you just didn't. You didn't believe like us. No. Uh, so, again, I just want everyone to know, just so you know, like, um, the reason that's an insane comment, other than that it's Rick Warren saying it, is if you don't believe your cultural moorings affect how you understand things like, and, and it's not possible for you to be affected that way. Boy, Oh boy, do I have like, boy, it's trouble for you because you are going to be susceptible to this all the way. And also it's also interesting. The man un it's impossible. This came from the culture even though it just so happens to be the exact precise change 2023 culture would be like, you have to do this, <laughs> right? Like it's, it just so happens again, anyone who's like, you know, it just so happens, you know, when the Bible was written in the first century, God's ideal world was pro noun hospitality, egalitarianism, late stage capitalism America with non-alcoholic white cloth. That's what God, like that was morality. It's just obviously what a clip, what a clip that's going to be <laughs> because it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's obviously ridiculous. And yet it's every time, every time it's the same thing. Every time it's the same thing. God's morality does not line up what is currently happening in America. God's morality doesn't even line up what's happening in even a good church like the PCA right now. Cause that's the whole point of the prophets is God always shows up and is, and must correct us. He must discipline us. He must right. Convict our sin. We are never beyond correction. Um, now, yeah, pa Pastor Michael, I'm coming in hot after this break. You've had me on the bench. It's all that non-alcoholic white claw. Oh, man, <laughs> when that when that gets running straight system. to my head, that cane <laughs> sugar that I never drink is that you got off of because of the Daniel diet, <laughs> and now here you are, <laughs> all the way back. All right, let's 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 let him get more than 13 seconds into his explanation. <laughs> Antidotes could not change me on this issue. Pressure from other people would not change me on this issue. What changed me was when I came to con confrontation with four scriptures, nobody ever talked. 
Okay, Pastor Michael. No, okay. No one, okay. No, so, so, Nobody. <laughs> no one can ever change his mind. But four scriptures no one has ever discussed in light Including, of Including, evidently, the man who has trained a million pastors. By the way. <laughs> yeah. Again, I it is it is good to change your mind when you're wrong, but when you have been a pastor and you are now at retirement and you're like, hey, I am going to change my fundamental views because of Bible verses I've read. Dude, no, you, your, your, your views on, on the scripture. We hoped those were set in stone at some point. <laughs> we, we hoped a little too much. That's, you know. Oh, yeah. He doth protest too much. About that I felt had strong implications about women in ministry and nobody had ever shown it to me <laughs> good good music for us uh woke preacher clips proof text number one pastor michael one you did not get matthew 28 16 through 20 the great commission here we go pastor michael do you see that as a good case for female pastors and female you mean when jesus gave this commission to his all male disciples no rick warren says yes that those those <laughs> yes, that exactly. one. remember remember the 12 male apostles that jesus gave a commission to that here here we go now great commission go make disciples baptize teach you can't say well the first two are for men and women the last two are only for men or maybe just ordained men that's eisegesis. That's I. You, you got a problem. Who authorized and women who, to teach? He would know. <laughs> and believe us, he would know it. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, all authority is given to me. Therefore, teach. <laughs> all authority is given to me. Therefore, baptize. You got a problem with the Great Commission. I had to repent when I actually looked at the Great Commission. Hmm. I had to say, it's not just for ordained men. It's for everybody. Wait, now, Pastor Michael, I, 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 sorry, I laughed at that clip because your comment that he would know eisegesis, like he is, <laughs> he might be one of the kings of eisegesis. If you can read the book of Daniel and say, the problem with the world in exile <laughs> is that they don't have the right diet, you might be exegeting the Bible. Oh, that's so bad. That's so bad. Um, <laughs> Um, okay. I love that we're so back right now. We're just having <laughs> so much fun today. We are having a good time. <laughs> so, Pastor Michael, um, Pastor Michael, do you know how earth shattering it was for me after being a young college student in a college ministry when someone was like, Yeah, the Great Commission actually wasn't given to you, it was given to the apostles? I was like, Well, what am I supposed to do? Like, it was pretty, like, and so what's actually interesting about this is he's so conditioned like what's interesting is he's taken up an application of the great commission yes of the church's purpose in the world and an application a reasonable application is what do you as an individual have to do with this mm -hmm. and he's made that application which is far out from the original meaning of the text the primary meaning yes. and from that he can then say so obviously all of these things apply. Actually, these things apply to the apostles. The Great Commission is not the, in, the possession of the individual Christian. 
And the only reason we can even say it's the possession of the church is because the apostles pass on their office, in a sense. They pass on discipling and teaching, and they pass it on to elders and pastors. Right, to the church as an institution, right, as it's represented by its elders. This is, by the way, this is um, this is a, a more fundamental problem, and you're getting at this with how he just applies it, assuming the meaning of the text is this is directly to each one of us as an individual. Now, yes. you, like you said, we, you as an individual have a stake in this if you are a Christian, You're right. right? Because you are part of the church. Yes. Um, but it is not to you directly. This and that's why, by the way, you know, it's not okay for anybody to just go out and start baptizing anybody. That's right. Because it's not given to you, right? It's not right. given, it's given to the church. Um, yes. So yeah, it's it's a more fun. It's actually a more fundamental issue, but he can assume it. And this this is a good opportunity to remind everybody that evangelicalism has the thickest traditional blinders, perhaps of any Christian group, right? Like because when when you are within the broader evangelical world, generally speaking, you assume we're just reading the Bible. We yep. have no tradition. It's just me and my Bible. We don't have the creed. Word says exactly. We don't have the confessions. We don't need all that. It's just me and the Bible. And look what the Bible says. The problem is you're assuming a tradition that's been passed down to you already. You're assuming a tradition that's been given to you about how to understand the scripture, how to categorize the scripture. Um, and this shows that, right? This shows that. But because it's your tradition within much of the evangelical world is so tied to what you believe the scripture says, even though it's not what the scripture says, you are blinded to the fact that you're going to misapply things. And so he does it, right? He misapplies, assuming that this has to mean that this is for everybody, that Jesus, by the way, just do this simple thing. We do this with so many scriptures, right? You can go to and read about, you know, Samuel talking to David. And I know still there's a lot of evangelicals that are like, this is to me. But like we're pretty good usually at look when you know when when uh, when Jacob is giving a blessing to his sons, he was talking to his sons, and there's ways we can make application from that blessing, but it's not directly to us. Okay, who is Jesus with? Okay, what is I mean? Just read the right. Great Commission, start in verse sixteen. Now the eleven disciples. None of whom, by the way, were female. Yeah. <laughs> the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Who's the them? It's it's them. It's the disciples, uh, the apostles. And when they had uh, and when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, the All Great Commission. Them. Yeah, that he's speaking to the apostles. Right. And and again, like. And he's giving the charter of the church, right? Like, again, like you can think about it in this sense, right? Um, the state of Wisconsin or America has a charter, but like I actually, as an individual, don't have the right to go act on all of those things. Mm -hmm. right. right. But I, but it, I'm a part of it. I have a yep. participatory. Yes. Yeah. Of course you have a part in it, right? We're not saying you have not, this means nothing for you. No, if okay. you're a Christian, of course it does. But the charter of a nation, the charter of the church, which God's na holy nation, I, it's not an individual thing. I think a great verse that just demonstrates 
a way for a Christian to just, I've done this study with some people and they're like, oh, wow, it's just amazing to see these two different things, right? So it's in Colossians 4. Um, uh, I'm going to just start in verse 3. At the same time, pray for us also that God may open a door for uh, a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on a, which account I'm in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. So Paul tells the whole church at Colossae, pray that I get a chance to declare this gospel. Yeah. Notice then, so they have a part in Paul's declaration, but then notice their conduct is not, now you all need to be preachers. You need to be doing what I'm doing. He says, you need to live accordance to Christ and be ready to tell people why you're living that way. Yeah. Those are because Paul has a specific and special office. And it's not that these other people don't have a part and a role. He needs them to pray for him, but it's not the same. Yep. And so I just think it's a great, it's a, again, it's this great didactic text to help us. So pastor Michael, here's the next one. The next case, you didn't get this one. You haven't gotten the first two. I hope uh -oh. you get the back two. But, so, I mean, come on. Ask, <laughs> he made it hard. <laughs> I'm making up whatever he wanted. <laughs> he did make it hard. Acts 2, 1 through 18. Here we go. On that day. Can I just it, say one thing? Do you think that the reason nobody ever talks about these verses is because it's so far out of like the possibility? <laughs> Even people that want to argue an egalitarian perspective are like, well, obviously we can't do it from those passages because they have nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> At Pentecost. We know women were in the upper room. We know women were filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. We know that women were preaching in languages that other people couldn't hear to a mixed audience. We know women. It wasn't just men. Women were preaching on the day of Pentecost. How do we know that? Because Peter felt obligated to explain it. He explains why you're now seeing women preaching on the very first day of the church. He explains it. And he says, this is that that Joel predicted. And here's what he says. In the last days, and clearly that means Peter thought the last days began with the birth of the church. Peter says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. No, Your no, sons no, no, and no, daughters no, no, no. will prophesy. That's different than the Old Testament. Oh. Russell, I've, I've looked at over 300 commentaries on those verses. 300? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's looked, he's just for the record, he's looked at. Like he, like he literally, he just has them on the shelf and he oh, looked no, at you've them. You've seen the bookshelf the man owns. Oh, All no, right. no, I've not, I've not opened them. I just, I've looked at them. <laughs> Let's find the results of the commentaries and then we can discuss this. So, Pentecost uh, proof for female pastors. And it's interesting to me that almost everybody goes, yep, in the, in the church, Everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to preach. Everybody gets to prophesy. And the people who don't like that ignore that verse. John MacArthur doesn't even cover that verse. Boom. He just skips over it. Roasted. He gotcha. John <laughs> MacArthur, J. Mac, we know you, famous for verse by verse exposition <laughs> to the point where it. you you're a classic. You we definitely know you're skipping it. So interesting. Um it is interesting here um that they were all it does appear they were all speaking in tongues in verse four 
Uh, if we look at 1 Corinthians, it appears men and women were both speaking in tongues. Um, and people were hearing them in every of their own language, the, the devout men who are there. Now, fascinating. Now we are going to get a sermon about what happens. So we get to verse 14. But Peter, standing with the 11. There you go. Oh, the same 11 Jesus. Oh, the same 11. It's <laughs> the same 11 we just talked about. To address them. <laughs> and so Peter then addresses the, the crowd. So um, it is a fascinating one. I would love to read one commentary that says, in the church we all play as a summary statement of the prophecy. <laughs> the I read 300 commentaries. They all agree. They <laughs> all agree. Yeah, that's even worse. It's not that I found one that said they all agree in the church. We all play. Oh man, it's just it's it's really brutal. Yeah, um, even what's even worse is what Peter says about like let's all grant what happened at Pentecost was a very unique event. We all have to there's fire, but that's not like that's not necessarily agreed to, right? Like, so part of the presupposition is that every word of this scripture is directly to me right now, right? And so that means that all of this has to be directly to me right now in the exact way that I understand it. Now, of course, when Peter says, this is what Joel prophesied about, he's not saying only this moment right now. Right. He's not saying everything that Joel talked about is happening at this exact second that men are seeing visions and dreams. And like, he's not saying that. He's saying that what Joel prophesied about is, is starting the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which then goes on. It didn't stop, right? Like that didn't stop. That takes place throughout the book of Acts, where, by the way, you have a lot of preaching. You have a lot of sermons yep. from, from men. <laughs> That's, um, you know, like it, it's really not that hard to, to argue from the two passages that we've just seen is to show a complete lack of the ability to read or you are simply willing to completely neglect the text for your cultural assumption. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's it's I mean it's obviously man it is really striking that um right when Peter says that Joel is being fulfilled I mean this is what was uttered right by by joel again it's this idea of yeah the the prophecy is fulfilled and ooh, this is beyond our scope but obviously the the idea that like what he's describing he's all of these things are happening but right we would say like why aren't there servants why don't they talk about the servants who are preaching why aren't we talking about the moon becoming blood like there's all these things in the Joel prophecy that all have meaning, but, but the, but that's not how, that's just not how the Bible understands prophecy. And it doesn't understand it as a letter to me today, as if I lived in the day of Pentecost. Yep. Right. So not, it's again, it's a misreading on three levels. All right, Pastor Michael, I think this next verse is the first one you're getting. I got it. You got this one guys. Uh, so I, and open... for the record, so far, it's probably his best passage. <laughs> it's it. We'll hear how he uses it. Yeah, I mean, we will. <laughs> majority of that clip on the previous two, so we're we're running out of time. 
the very first Christian sermon, the message of the gospel of good news of the resurrection, Jesus chose a woman to deliver it to men. He had Mary Magdalene go and tell the disciples. Now that clearly wasn't an accident. It was an intentional. It's a whole new world, baby. Now <laughs> he has a woman go tell the apostles. You got on, can a woman teach an apostle? Evidently did it on the first day. He chose her to be the. Russell Moore's got this like little smile. Like he's like, I think he's finally, we're getting one here. So. Yeah, he's like, finally, you're saying something that we could use maybe. <laughs> first preacher of the gospel. He does not give a four. Oh. He, he, he only gives three. He so says he, he's going to give four and then only gives three. Yeah. <laughs> that's, Pastor Michael. Uh, that's pretty funny. Um, Dr. John but MacArthur. Having uh, having all of the different, you know, uh, Synoptic and and the uh, John account of Mary Magdalene up there, maybe that counts for more than one. Yeah, maybe. So, Pastor Michael, do you think what the women do is the first Christian sermon and um, why or why not should that overflow first Timothy where Paul says, I do not permit. <laughs> right. So, so even just to start there, the application of Jesus teaching that every single one of his apostles make does not allow for a woman to preach in the gathered assembly of the church, right? Like we get, that's clear obvious if you say well jesus was kind of this radical change in everything baby it's a whole new world baby like if, if right. you think that well then you read the rest of the new testament you find weirdly this is consistent from the whole of scripture you know like that men and women each have a particular roles even in the church um when you talk about mary magdalene reporting to the disciples her eyewitness account of the resurrection, we're not talking about a sermon, as he said, delivered, the first sermon about the resurrection. We're, we're not talking about the gathered church. It's, of course, it's fine for right. a woman to give an account of something that happened, right? This is actually something that you see throughout John, where different women in some way or another, do give a kind of instruction, right? So, so Mary, the mother of Jesus, tells the servants at the wedding feast of Cana, um, and I'm preaching John right now, so I, you know, forgive me for a little bit of a John rant, but uh, but I'm thinking about it all the time. But she tells the servants, do whatever he says, right? And that's supposed to be to us, right? Like that is John writes in a way that that is that's something that we're to listen to, right? Uh, John or John account uh, give us the account of Jesus with the woman at the well in Samaria, the Samaritan woman, right? And and what does she go? She goes around and tells everybody, "Come, come and meet a man who told me everything that I ever did." Uh, this it's a it's a common theme. And then you get to Mary Magdalene. Now there's a lot of interesting things about this scene, especially when you tie it to the wedding feast of Cana. There's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of connection. Jesus speaks almost. It's not quite. You might not say harsh but he's very terse and direct. He is not like he's it almost, at least to modern ears, sounds disrespectful yeah. um, the way that he speaks to them. And there's a ton of symbolic imagery going on too, 
as far as what exactly these, there, there were many women amongst the groups that followed Jesus, right? There were many women around, uh, but there are only very certain accounts that are given of them. And you need to ask why that is to properly exegete the text. Why are these given to us? Right from the start, we can tell you it's not given to teach in order to teach that now the world's different, baby. Now everything's different. Um, It has a lot more to do with the reality of what the church, just like in the Great Commission, by the way, is going to have the role of doing. The church, which is the bride of Christ, is going to be going and sharing the good news that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. It has way more to do with that, by the way, than, again, an individual going to church, which is with the 11 in the upper room, and just sharing an eyewitness account, which nobody said was wrong, by the way. (laughs) And again, it's this, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, right, it's pretty amazing. I mean, when you think about these, these verses and, and trying to understand how they function, right? We can think about um, how, how, how would, how do women, what kind of function would they have in the story, right? Why would Luke spend so much more time on women and Gentiles uh, than others? Why at the end of Mark's gospel, do the women tell nobody? Uh Oh, right. Like we're getting into trouble. <laughs> it's, I again, I think the actual strange thing is, and then I'm going to come back to grace destroying nature. Rick Warren's grace destroys the world, yes. uh, nature. Um, and then we'll then we'll come to why it's not the first Christian sermon. Um, because the women who have a second place in who are distant from the religious establishment are made, they are made witnesses of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the Gospels, like Mary Magdalene, they they actually do that. Mark, we don't have them portrayed as fulfilling that role. Luke has women becoming close to Jesus, um, Gentiles coming close to Jesus as the Pharisees reject him and obviously turn him over to be killed. Mm -hmm. Because the point of all the Gospels, and they do it in different ways, they have different emphases, is, of course, you, a Gentile, so far from Jesus, Jesus is drawing close to you right? The exact kind of people that would give you hope Jesus would come to you and me, people who have no birthright, no claim, no religious status to claim it. Those are the people Jesus comes to and makes witness to his resurrection, right? And so the question at the end of Mark is the kind of cliffhanger. So what would, so what will you do with it? Will you be silent? Are you afraid? Right? Obviously, Pastor Michael's pointing out in John's gospel, it has more of a like, here is what the church, here is what the bride of Christ can do. Yep. It has so much to do with the the image of the bride of Christ, the role of the bride of Christ, which in a symbolic world as God has made it, uh, is always tied to, you know, femininity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just more generally. And, um, yeah. And, and the Bible has no problem, even on a non-symbolic level, with women pulling men aside and instructing them. Right. Um, right. Paul. Um, Apollos is instructed by Priscilla and Aquila. Mm-hmm. But again, it appears that, that those things are surprisingly somehow different than women taking the office that n- at no point has Rick Warren given, like, given us an example of or given us any compelling reason to read 
1 Timothy 2.12 in a different way. Now, Pastor Michael, one of Rick Warren's arguments was grace, Jesus's resurrection, destroys the way the world was. It's a oh. new world. That's, that's, I mean, I, like, I don't know why, like, there is no, then there's no mooring to even what has come before in the Old Testament law. Yep. There's no mooring to the way God has revealed the world to work in nature. It's all gone. And this is where it all comes together, Yeah, where you can say, no, if you actually hold the biblical position on the proper roles that men and women um, are, are called to, both in the church, in the home, in general, you can trace that thread from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. You can follow that all the way through, and it's coherent, it's logical, and it fits completely with the natural revelation all around us. It it works. Whereas, like you're saying, you have to you have to upend everything. Right. Scripture itself, God's very word, you have to try to get out from under, right? In order to uh, try to make this work. Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God, did not hate how God made the world. Right. He came to save it. He came to restore it. And guess what's even more shocking? And this is why Rick Warren's verses don't help. Because do you know what Paul exactly appeals to in 1 Timothy 2? We'll probably end up saying this every year we do this. He appeals to creation. Yep. That creation is what made this evident. Why, they're, why, it, why it's untouchable by any of these arguments. By why... why even though there are women who speak in tongues, there are prophets, female prophets in the book of Acts, and it appears in the Corinthian church, but it does not appear they're elders, right? It, it's, it is because it is something God did in creation, which means it's something Jesus did in creation, which right. means Jesus in recreation is restoring and following the same pattern because it's what he did. Now, Pastor Michael, here's why it's not the first Christian sermon. Because all of these accounts on, on Rick Warren's accounts, well, the Holy Spirit hasn't been given. And Jesus told them they had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Which doesn't happen until the upper room, and then Peter and 11 men get up and preach. It's 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 just, I'm going to read, like, again, it's it's just the, I'll read whatever I want from whatever passage, and I'll make it about me, and um, and I'll do it to justify the couple I turned Saddleback over to when I retired. The king lives on. The, the, the king of Isagesis rides again. <laughs> a title. A title he will keep for, for at Somebody least. needs to make a meme and put, uh, put, uh, Put uh, Russell Moore um, and and Rick Warren together in that scene from Lord of the Rings, where it's you know where it's Aragorn at Helm's Deep saying, "Ride out with me, right? Ride out once more. It's the king. The king rides again. Come on, we can do this once more. We can try to ruin the church just that bit more. We yeah. still have time. We've still got some dry powder. Let's oh. try to tear this baby down. It's a whole new world, baby. Let's try to tear world. it all down." Pastor Michael, that we've uh, we finished that clip a little early. We've got a couple minutes left here um, before we sign off. Um, I guess if you're it's not our fault, we thought there were four. 
everybody. We, we thought there were four, and there were none. But Pastor Michael, this this has been great. Um, I look forward to coming back um, to cover all kinds of things that have been going on. We are, we're behind. We've got to we've got to get to some of it. I know everybody wants to know uh, what we thought of that Super Bowl commercial that I've not seen. I I watched silent little bits of it. What people are posting. I did not watch the Super Bowl. I did not watch the commercials at the Super Bowl. I do not know everything that has happened. So, Pastor Michael coming in with that clout, that uh, that Sabbatarian clout. <laughs> well, we are we are excited to be back. I think we have. Pastor Michael and I are going to get together uh, soon to try and map out a good plan of shows. We will both be at the PCA's General Assembly, um, though I could not bring myself to book the same flights Pastor Michael did. There were direct flights available, people. I, uh, I'll just put it that way. Um, well, we want to thank you. Again, we are going to be doing a reaction and feedback show. Let's say we're doing it one week from today, so in two weeks... Um, I, I don't know. We're obviously not going to do it at this time when no one can join us. Uh, and we'll see if we record it or do it live. Um, but please, if there are yay, nay, or nuances, if there are things you'd like us to react to other than the Super Bowl ad, we heard you. Uh, Alistair Begg's advice, we heard you. Um, if there are other things in the YRR world you'd like to hear, please let us know. Thanks for joining us, everybody. This has been a joy for me to return to you as your humble host of the Restless Podcast. The true king, not of eisegesis, the king, the king of Restless, king of podcasting. We're back. We're so back, everybody. We are so back.